everyone. This is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with the October 24th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit and fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's podcast, we'll take a look at the latest data from Electrical Marketing's Electrical Price Index and dig into an electrical market snapshot for the state of Florida, one of the fastest growing electrical markets in the United States. We'll also check out some key weekly economic indicators that can give you a sense of where the U.S. economy and the electrical market may be headed in the near future. These five weekly indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rate count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series for 2022. The week ending October the 15th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial claims was 214,000, a decrease of 12,000 from the previous week's revised level. That previous week's level was revised down by 2,000 from 228,000 to 226,000. The four-week moving average is about 212,250, and that's an increase from the previous week's revised level of 1,250. The U.S. unemployment rate is 3.5% through September. Through the week ending October the 15th, we had seven states with decreases in unemployment claims of at least 1,000. Those states were Florida with a decrease of 3,856, New York with a decrease of 2,963, California with a decrease of 2,354, Texas with a decrease of 1,682, Ohio with a decrease of 1,334, New Jersey with a decrease of 1,295, and Indiana with a decrease of 1,090. It was a comparatively light week for unemployment claims for the week ending October the 15th outside of the state of Missouri. The five states that reported the most claims were Missouri with an increase of 1,763, Iowa with an increase of 249, Alaska with an increase of 223, Tennessee with an increase of 218, and Hawaii with an increase of 188. One of the more interesting leading indicators for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic because it's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR. It publishes this data weekly. For the week ending October the 15th, total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 500,304 car loads and intermodal units. That's up 0.7% compared with the same week last year. It was the first time that rail traffic topped 500,000 on a weekly level since early September, and that's a good sign. While we did see some improvement in individual categories of freight rail traffic, as you can see in the slide, there quite a few of them were down still, so we'll be watching that closely. Uh, total traffic, as I mentioned earlier, is down 2.6% year-to-date versus, versus 221. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count, and that tracks the oil and rig gas rigs that are operating. This data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. I always find this slide to be interesting because it gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area is the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. This slide gives you an idea of the slow but steady increases in rig activity that has been happening over the past year. The weekly change in the total was only an increase of two rigs, 
But the year-to-date drilling activity is up 229 rigs. Texas was up six rigs in the most recent weekly data, but it's up 122 for the year so far. Really no big uh, or notable changes in, in the, any of the drilling basins over the past week or two. Price of W2I oil or West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil on October 21st is $85.05. Oil prices generally over the past two weeks have remained in the $80 to $90 range. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading economic indicator for future economic activity since copper is used in so many industries. The construction in the industry is among the leading markets because of its use in wire cable and copper plumbing pipe. While copper prices have settled into a relatively narrow band between $3.35 and $3.50 per pound since early September, don't be surprised if we see pricing voluntarily hike up over the next few months. On Monday morning, October 24th, the COMEX copper price was $3.47 per pound. Now let's get an update on the pricing trends picked up by Electrical Marketing's Electrical Price Index for September. There's some good news in here. Total index in Electrical Marketing's Electrical Price Index was up just 0.1% over the August index. That's actually a very small increase, almost back to normal. Uh, unfortunately, the percent change over last year, not quite back to normal, but we're not seeing those double-digit increases anymore. The total index was up 9.5%. The chart on the left shows you the, er, the products with the largest monthly change. We had generators up 2%. We had motors up 1.9%. Non-metallic conduit up 1.5%. Again, some pretty small increases compared to what we have seen. Transformers up 1.1% and fasteners up 1.1%. On the uh, decrease side of the ledger, switchgear was actually showing a decrease of 2.4%. And panel boards and switches were down 2.8%. Of course, if you look at the or percent changes on a year-over-year -year basis, we had the power cable lead, leading the pack at over 20%, 21.5% year-over-year change. Boxes at 20.8%. Fuses 19.3% up, pole line hardware up 8.8%, switchgear uh, up on a yearly basis, up astronomically with these other ones here, up 18.7%, generators up 17.5%, fasteners up 17.3%, motors up 16.5%, and industrial controls up 16.1%. Uh, some of the smaller increases were electrical measurement and test equipment up 5%. For the year, uh, year to date, building wire and cable up 4.6% and conduit fittings up 3.8%. If you need this pricing data on a monthly basis, it's available through Electrical Marketing Newsletter. For a $99 subscription, go to electricalmarketing.com. You'll get all this data monthly. And we also have a great stockpile of historical data going back to 1990, so you can do some comparisons. The electrical sales estimates and local market economic indicators give us some clues for the economic climate in state and local market areas. I know this is market planning season for 2023, and over the next few broadcasts of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast, I'm going to hit some of the economic and strategic highlights for what I believe will be some of the fastest growing states next year. If you need more detailed data, two of the best sources are Electrical Marketing Newsletter, which we just mentioned, and also Discorp, where Christian Sokol offers sales forecasts and related market insight for key individual industries, as well as sales market potential looking out a few years. I selected Florida for today's broadcast because of the steady growth it's had in recent quarters and so many of the market's major market areas. It's some of the future activity is a little unknown, of course, with the terrible uh, impact of the hurricane. But we still, even despite that, we think it's going to be a good market for the electrical industry going forward. With 8.4 billion in total estimated electrical sales potential, Florida accounts for 6.5% of the total U.S. electrical sales 
of a, an estimated 120 billion. It's the, the largest electrical market after California and Texas. Year to date over last year, electrical marketing estimates show the state up about 2.9% over last year through mid-year and actually through June. Uh, this estimate does not take into account the impact on, of the Hurricane Ian. Along with being one of the nation's largest residential housing markets, Florida is unique compared to other states because of its huge population influx. U.S. Census data shows that 1.5 million people moved into the state between 2015 and 2020. In 2021, the net migration was 259,480, so a lot of people moving into the Sunshine State. I included this slide because it gives you an idea of the major MSAs or metropolitan statistical areas in Florida. Uh, you know, we all know Orlando as being one of the largest markets. Certainly the Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Port St. Lucie on the uh, southeastern coast is big. You've got the uh, Daytona Beach area up in there, all growth areas, uh, maybe a little less so in Miami, more of a, uh, I guess you could say there's a lot of multifamily construction there, but I don't think it quite compares when you think of what's going on in southwest Florida from Tampa down through uh, Sarasota, going down to uh, Fort Myers and Naples there, just hundreds, as you'll see in the next couple slides, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have moved in there, uh, not as much growth up on the uh, panhandle, but we'll drill down a little bit more into some of the specific markets, but this is a good, if you're ever looking for statistics on the Florida market, the government collects it, and we republish much of the information based on this at MSA type of level. I have these, this is some of the local market statistics that we collect on electrical marketing and are available as part of the $99 annual subscription for each state and any of these market areas. About 300 of these individual MSAs that we were talking about in the last slide here. Um, as you can see in the three sections there, I have sales estimates. Uh, building permits and a population estimates all good some good indicators that you could look at for any market to develop a plan to see where it might be going um, as you go across the top those are the they're ranked by size uh, the largest single MSA again uh, for total electrical sales estimate through the second quarter of this year we've got the Miami market with over two billion in sales uh, Tampa uh, 1.2 Orlando also over, those are the $3 billion markets. However, to be fair and the way the market territories work, when you look at, you'd have to really combine, you've got the Tampa St. Pete at 1.2, you've got to include uh, about 450 million for Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Sarasota, another 395, and Naples at 250 all in total, gets up to be a pretty good sized market there and probably just about the size, maybe a little bit bigger than Miami. Um, as, as I did uh, mention, the, certainly all of Florida, uh, is known for the incredible growth in uh, housing. Uh, multifamily uh, is up and down in all the markets, but as you can see, look at the go down to second, get down to multifamily, a number of increase uh, year to date, year over year comparisons. Uh, Tampa St. Pete is up 3,100 uh, multifamily units. Uh, we, we've got some of the single family kind of across the board is either very slow or has seen some decreases across the way, but it give you some pretty good indicators when you see the total, even though they are down on a single family basis. I mean, gosh, you've got uh, total units, uh, building permits uh, for Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater. Just look at 10,000 building permits. That's a lot of houses. Uh, Orlando's also in that 10,000 area. Jacksonville up at nine, uh, Jacksonville, 9,000. So as you can see, there's still a lot of housing activity, not as big as it has been in recent, uh, recent years, recent months, but still a lot going on despite interest rates, despite everything else. Uh, as I mentioned on a statewide basis, and as you'll see here, even more so really it hits home the population growth. I mean, look at some of these markets, but the, and I, I just often will like to look at the uh, actual number of people moving in over the uh, past um, 
over the past five years. Uh, you've had one more, if you look at Miami, over 200,000 people moved in the area. Even more in Tampa, St. Pete, at over 258,000. And when you add in the Cape Coral at 90,000, Sarasota, 86,000, uh, roughly, Naples at 36, you can see why that Southwest Florida is really the growth pocket of uh, uh, Florida. You know, Orlando kind of stands more or less on its own in the center part of the state, has also seen some large impact, uh, large impact of new residents. But uh, boy, when you look at the numbers for Southwest Florida, it just doesn't stop. And fortunately, obviously, uh, got hit by that horrific hurricane. And we'll see what long term impact that has on there, but it has been quite a run for Southwest Florida. I also like to collect some of the major uh, construction projects uh, for each of the different states that we're going to be reporting on. And I, I do just for the, just because it's a little bit more managed, but I look at projects of over $100 million, uh, in, in total uh, contract value or more. Uh, basically, electrical is about a, about 10% rule of thumb of the uh, of a total contract value. That's going to change depending on what type of project is it, if it is, whether the uh, multifamily, uh, data center, whatever. But if you do look at uh, Florida, and it's got kind of a unique uh, profile for large projects, uh, a lot of mixed use, a lot of a multifamily apartment that showed in some of the uh, numbers there. You occasionally get some fairly good size offices. The one that broke ground earlier this year was the Royal Caribbean uh, headquarters. Uh, we do see some you know larger uh, warehouses, uh, Amazon, which are kind of growing everywhere. Nothing maybe too new on that, but I think the defining characteristic uh, Florida with some of the projects, at least for over the past uh, nine months or maybe going back the year, is a lot of the mixed use in multifamily seems to be some of the uh, some of the biggest types of projects that are going on. Uh, again, and, and really a lot of them in Miami, when you look at the apartment multifamily, I mean, you've got a in Miami, uh, just, uh, December 2021, started the Southside Mixed Use Building uh, Project. We, we've got the uh, we've got another mixed use project, $275 million project. Uh, it's going to be entered planning stage in July 2022. Uh, just a lot of them even broke ground or anything in the planning stages, all over 100 million. So pretty sizable projects there. Nice piece of business for anyone doing electrical work with those projects. Special thanks to the folks at Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring today's Electrical Economy podcast series for 2022. And uh, last year, enjoy working with them on, on these projects. Give me a shout if you have any questions on the type of economic data that we presented here. If you'd like to learn more about a subscription to Electrical Marketing, or if you have some additional topics that we should be covering in these podcasts. Our next presentation will be on Monday, the 7th of November. So until then, appreciate you coming in to listen today. Look forward to having you in the audience in the broadcast to come. Stay healthy, be happy. We'll be talking with you in two weeks.